0: Greetings and thank you for joining me once again here at Walk Down Memory Kane from the Illinois School for the Visually Impaired. Today you get to hear Anna again. Sue will be reading the banner from February, Volume 1, 1957, number 5. We hope you enjoy this and it brings back some really awesome memories. God bless until we meet again in the next podcast. The Banner, Volume 1, February 1957, number 5. The NCASB Wrestling Meet. On February 8th, our wrestling team went to Vinton, Iowa for the annual NCASB wrestling tournament. Schools from nine states entered the meet. Our team made an unexpected climb in the ranks. Last year, in their first tournament, we finished 11th. This year, we took 4th place. Our boys took part in many exciting matches. Some of them were... Richard Massa, as he fought his way up to and won the 145-pound class. James Chappell, taking a much-desired second place in the 165-pound class. Gerald Myers, winning a second place in the 112-pound class. And Eugene Schmidt, as he won a fourth place in the 138-pound class. Many other matches were well contested but lost by our boys. Nicky Weems lost his first match to Earl Hall from Kentucky. Hall, who is one of the best wrestlers in the 95-pound class, had a rough time with Nicky. The final score was 8-7. to Larry Donaldson tangled with Cook from Missouri. Cook defeated Larry but you can bet that Cook will not forget the scare that Larry gave him. Ted Glenn was matched with Sykes of Missouri. At one point in the match, Ted was thrown into the spectators. He promptly bounced back. Sykes suffered a dislocated jaw in the match. Our team has now completed its regular wrestling season. Track and swimming now take over the sports spotlight. Student Council News. March 15th will be the date set for our annual Student Council Carnival. Come enjoy the fun and frolic. This is an event looked forward to by boys and girls from five years old to 90 years young. Time and place will be announced in the next issue of The Banner. Who represents you in the Student Council? Your representatives are as follows. President, Richard Massa. President-elect, Richard Kryzek, Seniors, Marguerite Maynard, Robert Watson. Juniors, Peggy Carter, Eugene Schmidt. Sophomores, Judy Anderson, Gerald Myers. Freshmen, Billy Ray Brown, Eugene Barton. More free movies. Yes, there are more free movies in our school. Over in the high school boys' cottage, there is a new television set. There had been rumors for some time about the installation of a television set, and now we have one. This television set is just an experiment. If the high school boys take good care of it, There will also be other sets installed in the other two boys' dormitories. Already, almost every high school boy knows how to operate the set, and can come in any time except during school hours and watch a program. Thus far, there have been no disagreements over the programs. As long as this cooperation lasts, television is certain to be a success in our school. William G. Stratton, Governor, State of Illinois. Otto L. Batag, M.D., Director, Department of Public Welfare. Leo J. Flood, Superintendent, Illinois Braille and Sight-Saving School. The Banner, published monthly at IBSSS. Editor-in-Chief, Phyllis Beesmeyer. Assistant Editor, Pat Morris. Feature Reporters, Russell Hauser, Eileen Smith, Marguerite Maynard, Bill Trueblood, Carol Butson. Sports Section, Bob Watson, Dave Possel. Grade School News, Janet Dawson, Viola Green. Faculty Advisor, John Dietrich. Braille consultant, L. W. Rodenberg. Editorial section. Will there be another 1929? Some economists seem to think that this country is headed for another depression. We are, they say, buying too much on credit or easy payment installment plans. We are investing too much capital without actually producing anything. In other words, our money is either being tied up in nothing or spent before it is actually earned. The result of this, we are told, can only be a depression. And what if there is a depression? Will it be as severe as that of 1929? If not, or if so, why? Here are a few items of interest which might help to make this dismal picture less terrible. In the first place, if there is a depression, it will not be the terrible catastrophe as that of 1929. There are now in existence government agencies for prevention and aid should we fall into a depression which were not dreamed of until the last debacle. In 1929, those steps which were taken to lessen the effects of the depression were, in many cases, too late. Another unnecessary and very dangerous obstacle, in fact almost the most dangerous, is that of panic. Much was gained by unscrupulous people because some people who were fortunate enough to have some securities, thinking that all was lost, sold them for outlandishly low prices. Lucky and shrewd purchasers then put them aside for a time and waited until they were able to turn in these securities and then enjoyed tremendous profits at the expense of their friends. What can you do to partially insure yourself against a possible depression? There are several things you can do. First, do not go too far into debt by buying on installment plans. In time of depression, wages decrease. In many cases, Work itself is a thing of the past, so that everything purchased in this manner is lost. Secondly, hold your government bonds, if you have any. Remember, these are always made good. In uncertain times, such as depression, they are about the only things of which you may be absolutely certain. Thirdly, and most important, do not panic. Be rational. As mentioned before, panic is the worst enemy of anyone in a bad situation, and often it creates more difficulties than its cause. This is not a clear-cut or infallible method for withstanding a depression by any means. It is rather an idea of what you can do to help lessen the effect, which might be of some service to you. Janet Dawson Wake up, students! It's later than you think! The time has come for all seniors to make a momentous decision. This decision is what will I do after I graduate from high school? Whatever the individual senior may decide to do, it will have to be a final decision. Not final in the sense that the senior will not be able to make another decision but final in the sense that whatever he or she decides upon will decide for them what pathway of life he or she will tread. This is an important reason why you freshmen, sophomores, and juniors should wake up to the fact that you have little time left in which to prepare yourselves for this same momentous decision. Strive to make as high a grade as you possibly can in your schoolwork without shutting off the social world. Try to get along with your classmates and teachers as well as you can. Colleges and employers always consult your high school grade records and check how well you got along with people when they consider you as a likely prospect. Consider the different vocations in which you might be interested and find as much information about each one as you can. And, if you are thinking of college, begin to think about what college you want to attend. Write to several different colleges and ask for a copy of their school catalog or bulletin. They cost you nothing but the three cents it takes to mail the letter. Start now. Remember, it is later than you think. Bill Trueblood. Grade School News. Classroom News. Ruth Ann Rodriguez, who is in Miss McGuire's room, had a birthday party on February 6. She is now 10 years old. She had a big cherry cake with pink frosting. Billy Ray Perdue will be 6 years old on February 28. Nancy Mainima was 10 years old on February 11th. Jerry Lee McBride has moved from Mrs. Weghoff's room to Miss Russell's room. The entire primary department had a Valentine's party on the 14th. Dickie Benner, a day student, invited Miss Caldwell's class to his home for a Valentine's party. Mrs. Curtis's class went to the public library on February seventh. While there, they received library cards. Scout James Crockett of Miss Hill's room became the first member of our scout troop this year to successfully pass all of his tenderfoot requirements. North Wind. Do you hear the north wind in the leafless chestnut trees? Do you hear him moaning? He's no longer just a breeze. Do you hear him tapping on your window panes in play on a winter evening as he hurries on his way? Yes, I hear the north wind in the spooky winter night moving through the darkness in his ever constant flight. Yes, I hear him teasing from way up there on high, Calling, ever calling, as he sweeps across the sky. Maxine Falstad, 7th grade, Braille Grade Girls Move January 24th and 25th were busy days for the grade girls. We moved out of our cottage. Some of us were moved to the fourth floor of the main building, some to the hospital, and the rest to the little girl's cottage. We had to move because they are going to rewire our cottage. Mrs. Hendershot moved to the fourth floor of the main building. Mrs. Hull went to the hospital. And Mrs. Ferrieria is alternate for the other two house mothers. Linda Leonard, 6th grade, Braille. Why we have Valentine's Day During the 3rd century, there lived a man named Valentine. He was a very good bishop, so the English thought it was quite right to have a day in his honor. There was a day set aside in Rome, which the Romans called Lupercalia. Many centuries later, the English saw fit to renew this day, but they did not use the same name. Bishop Valentine was born in February. The people thought Valentine's Day was a nice-sounding name. And that is why we have Valentine's Day. Helen Kick, 6th grade Braille Have you written a poem, theme, or composition? that you are especially proud of? Ask your teacher if you can bring it up to room 315. We would like to print it in our paper for you.